Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine journalists and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Sorry if anyone heard a loud swallow there, that was me <laughs> having a coffee. <laughs> having an oat flat white. Having an oat flat white. I'm not hungover this week, but I'm quite tired, but oh for God, more wholesome so reasons, which is that me and Zach were up really late trying to make sense of the bloody Iowa caucus. Mm, can you tell US. me a bit about that? Because I've seen every news podcast that I listened to has had that as their latest episode and I just haven't delved into it. It's so complicated. So I was trying to get Zach to give me a kind of bite-sized snippet to explain it because even I don't really understand it. But basically the way the American presidential primaries work, as in who they're going to pick to go up against Donald, is a super complicated arcane 1800 system with caucuses and electoral colleges and it goes state by state and there's delegates and it's really really complicated but Iowa is the first place where people vote for who they want as the nominee and it kind of has this knock-on effect of whoever wins Iowa people just get in their head is going to be yeah the person so then it kind of is a domino thing so it's really important in that sense so for example in 2008, everyone thought Hillary Clinton was going to win. And then all of a sudden, Barack Obama just surged in Iowa and he had been the total underdog. And then all of a sudden, he just blew up mm-hmm. because he unexpectedly took Iowa. So it's, it's a big that deal in, in that Michelle sense. Michelle Obama's book. It's very exciting times. Old Michelle. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the vibe now. But what you've got is a super saturated field. It started with 22. Yeah, there's so many people. So I, even, many. I was looking on every outfit on Six in the City and they did a swipe of all of the... That's the best thing I've ever yeah, seen in my life. presidential nominees and their characters on Six in the City. And I was like, why are there fucking 45 people? There's still so many and 
like a third, two thirds of them have dropped out. Mm. But so we're supposed to find out Monday night and there was a huge issue with the counting and it's all, there's just been drama, drama, drama for two days. There's no real answer. (coughs) (laughs) 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 What the fuck just happened? It was like the grudge. Like the grim reaper just came in. Sorry. (laughs) I need to be exercised by like a priest. Oh my God. There's no, <laughs> there's no answer. Okay, so there's no obvious answer at the moment, but it looks like Pete Buttigieg is top dog. Who the fuck is that? Mayor Pete. Oh, yeah. So he's – I feel like he could be a bit of a Obama figure. It's just hard to know. Everyone's flicking between who – do we vote for who we want or do we vote for who's going to beat Donald? And who will beat Donald? Joe. They think Joe, but Joe's just dropped off the planet. He's been bloody useless. <laughs> And Zach's going to be, like, pulling his hair out right now. It's <laughs> not, not how it works. But Mayor Pete is really cool. He'd be the first gay president, which is pretty cool. Oh, um, yeah, and he's super, super, super clever. And he was in the military and whatnot. But then everyone loves Bernie, too. So Bernie's so old. Bernie's so old. But Isn't think, Joe older? But Bernie just – who look, Bernie looks so old. I think old. Bernie will be the oldest president ever if he yeah. becomes president. But I think the thing with Bernie that's good is everyone – like Donald did so well because he said, oh, the Washington elite, you know, I'm going to fight the elite bureaucrats of Washington and Bernie's the opposite of that. So he can't really pull that anymore. It'll be two kind of rogue people going up against each other. Mm. So that could be quite cool. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> so that's my little Iowa update. Well, I would like to discuss um, on Friday night my newfound singledom. I realised this is what I need to be doing now is making plans on the weekend because mm. you just go home and I just went home on a Friday night and then I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're just home by yourself. So then I <laughs> made pasta and then watched Taylor Swift's new documentary which came out on Netflix called Miss Americana um, and it had come out the same day just coincidentally. So popped that on, the big TV, and... Then a text abused me until I did the same thing. Yes. And I wish we were together. We just did not plan that, right? It was right? so stupid. We were sitting on opposite ends of the city at home alone watching the same bloody documentary. I know. I was heartbroken. And then because Grace started it after me, I rewound it to where she was at. <laughs> oh, my God. Did I not tell you that? That's why no. I was texting her in real time. That's horrible. We're so cute. <laughs> I literally tragic. Uh, but I really like, I'm a sucker for a celebrity documentary. I've for some unknown reason, watched Katy Perry's upwards of five times when it came out. That's bizarre. I, I worked really... at Hoyt's when that came out and I had 50 cent tickets and I still didn't see it. You didn't see it? No. Yeah. I just liked uh, it when she was dating Russell Brand, I think. It was mm. just a bit of a moment. Um, she had a cry about that, didn't she? I remember hearing about that in the documentary. Yeah. By that, she got dumped, divorced, when she was about to go on stage and read the text. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's heartbreaking. I, if I put it on for you that today, that is rough as gut. Yeah, if I put that on to you today at the wing, you'll be sobbing in two seconds. Okay. Anyway, so I mean, I'm in terms of the Taylor Swift camp thing. Mm-hmm. I have never been a huge diehard fan, and I've never not liked her that much. I know she says controversial things. She sort of, but she doesn't. Makes, that's the controversy. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, when we were talking about it, when we did that whole episode talking about mm. the Kanye feud, I, yeah. I got what you meant in terms of she's just a bit 
rich and white privileged, which she is, but that's yeah. not really her fault. Yeah, it's more about what she doesn't say, I think, than what she does say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so it touches on that in Miss America. Yes, doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it just? Doesn't it just? <laughs> um, but I will say that her 1989 album was a bloody banger. Bloody banger. Oh, oh God, it was good. <laughs> I've watched that stupid Shake It Off video probably like 400 times <laughs> oh my in my God, life. Oh, God, that's right. You loved that song. I love that song. I got really obsessed with the ones that weren't even bangers. I feel like Taylor, I would be like, oh, I only know one or two songs in that album. I would probably know the words to every single one. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Like, you cannot deny. Mm. The girl knows how to write a pop track. <laughs> but then it was so funny. So as we were texting in real time, I go to Grace, how incredible is it? That she how she writes her own songs and then Grace came to work the next day and was like, the literally the lyrics. I was absolutely cacking it at one part because you texted me that and then it shows her writing them and it is great that she writes her own songs but it's also just funny because the lyrics to one were like all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put me back together again (laughs) and then she's like starts fist pumping and jumping around the room yeah and I was like this is deranged behaviour but you know it is pretty good Um, so. I think she touched on it a lot in the documentary. Her and Joe Alwyn are engaged. Probably. Well, she's wearing an engagement ring, so. <laughs> that scene, me and Izzy were joking about that scene because it's so obvious that they accidentally left the ring in for that shot, but the content was just so good that they couldn't yeah, cut she was, it. Yeah, because she was crying about how she can't speak out about politics, so they obviously couldn't cut the scene. And then She was like, I don't care, I'll lose all these fans if it means that I can say what I think. Yeah, and then afterwards and they would have been like, shit, yeah. the ring's in. And um, so they blurred. They blurred the ring. They were trying to go back and ring. get a screen grab and it was impossible. Yeah, but she's clearly engaged. She's been making hints about that for ages and it's so cute. They're, they're very cute, her yeah. and little Joe. They're so cute. She. It came out a few days before the documentary came out that she – um, opened up about having an eating disorder for the first time. I didn't think she would ever discuss that. I think what I found interesting, and I'm trying to figure out how to word this properly, is that when you think about body image, you think of the top celebrities in the world as being responsible for dictating body image. Mm-hmm. You don't think of them as being victims to the same system. Yeah. If that makes sense. So I would think with Taylor Swift that she, as a pop star, had a kind of responsibility to her young fans to make sure that she had a healthy relationship with her body, but she's still a 25, 26-year-old woman navigating a cutthroat sexist industry. Of course, she's going to fall victim to it as well. It's like we expect too much of people because the system is so pervasive. Why, yeah. why, why should Taylor Swift be exempt from the pressures that every single other person on the planet feels? Yeah, and it's it's quite eye-opening, even in the documentary. She's obviously, if, if you've struggled from something like that for your whole life, you're not just going to get over it. And it's something that she's obviously still struggling with because she was still just like, I still can't see, it's not good, at, good for me to look at photos of myself all the time. Mm. Um, and then it showed a montage of journalists and celebrities talking about how she was too skinny a comedian called Nikki Glazer came out the next day on Instagram and she was like, I was, the minute the Taylor Swift documentary came out, I put it on because I'm a huge Taylor fan. And she was like, I was so shocked and and upset to hear my own voice being played on it. Wow. Um, slamming how skinny Taylor Swift is. And this was years ago and she was on a talk show. Mm. And she said that um, for anyone who's familiar with her work, 
at the time she was projecting because she's since come out and said that for 17 years she suffered from an eating disorder. Mm. So she was projecting onto Taylor Swift and then Taylor Swift saw the apology and commented on it and said she wished she could give her a massive hug and she's sorry that she suffered. That's really nice. Yeah. I think that the, what the Taylor Swift documentary did was, and it sounds like a very obvious thing, but she has such a hyper-curated image that just showing that she's this kind of fragile, lovely human being was Mm. really powerful in terms of balancing out this image that everyone has of her of being so glossy and so produced and so controlled. I think people think she's manipulative, which I don't think she is at all. I think women always have to be hyper aware of how they're perceived and then when they become good at being hyper aware of how they're perceived, they're called manipulative or overly strategic. It's the same thing that you see. Sorry to bring it back to the presidential election. But the female (laughs) candidates are always criticised for being too produced or too stiff. Yeah. But but as a woman, you're just so aware of how you're perceived every given minute that you kind of have to be like that. So it's a kind of double whammy. I have a more cynical view of these things, as you know. Mm-hmm. I find the current trend for music documentaries that are essentially produced and created by the subject, you don't really get a particularly interesting insight. It's happened with Rocket Man was produced by Elton John and Bohemian Rhapsody was produced by the remaining members of Queen and Homecoming was produced by Beyonce. I just think that, and obviously Goop Lab was produced by Gwyneth. I think any quote unquote documentary where the subject is actively involved in creating it is never going to be particularly dynamic or interesting. And sometimes these things just feel kind of like long PR pieces Mm. for the subjects. Oh, totally. And with Taylor Swift, I think... Um, a lot of the criticisms I have about her, which are in an old episode, which you can go and find, are the same after watching it. I just, I don't think she's, obviously she's not a bad person or anything. I just think that for someone who's so aware of their image, she kind of has blind spots around certain things. And I think that a lot of the stuff that she came out and said in this documentary Things like you can wear glitter and still care about politics or you can love pink and wear thigh-high boots and still be a feminist. That's great and it's a good message to send to young girls, but it's also such a well-treaded mainstream opinion to have now that I just feel like it doesn't have any punch. It's kind of like she's let it become this completely acceptable thing to say mm. and then she said it. And Yeah, I just think even coming out about gay rights. Yeah, I just... And pairing up with Queer Eye to last year. I guess maybe where she's from in Tennessee or wherever, that's probably a cutting-edge kind of opinion to have. But I just think in terms of the mainstream, it wasn't one of those things where you watched and thought, yeah, go yeah. Taylor. It just, <laughs> yeah. Some of it felt like a bit of a stale take. But yes. The other thing which kind of segues into our next topic is her speaking about when you become famous on that level, you stay frozen at the age you become famous yeah that was that was probably the most interesting quote of the whole thing because Mm. she she seems like that in some scenes she seems like a 18 or 19 year old girl still yeah and she's older than us she comes across as quite naive i think in some scenes yeah i think she would be very sheltered she grew up super sheltered yeah and then she's had her mum beside her since day dot she talks about how the kanye moment was such a massive kind of turning point in her career because it gave her something to strive towards because she just wanted to prove that she was good she wanted to prove that she could do it it's kind of an amazing we've talked a bit before in the past about this idea of ambition and I feel like this was a really good kind of 
tale of ambition gone awry and then bought back again because with the Kanye West thing, which made me feel so sad for her, it was her first major awards, I think, as a pop star. And when everyone was booing Kanye, she thought they were booing Mm. her. So she said in that moment, she thought, oh, my God, it's everyone's worst fear to think that they don't belong in this place that they're at. And then she felt like that was actually happening. So Mm. that kind of spurred her on to be the best, the biggest, the most successful. And then she gets to the top of that and kind of realizes she doesn't have meaningful friendships or meaningful relationships or anyone to call when she achieves all these awards. And then I guess the tale of the documentary is how she gets to an equilibrium where she's making music she likes and has a lovely boyfriend yeah. and is politically active. So when she won the Grammy for Best Album for the second time, she says you get to the top of the mountain and you look around and think, oh, God, what now? And that's kind of a rival fallacy. So when you the illusion that when we reach our goals, we reach happiness. We've talked about that with weight loss, how people think if I just lost five kgs, I'd be a better version of myself and be a happier version of myself. And even me and you are so guilty of it where we say if we reach this much or if we if we write for this publication or if we do this or if we go to blah, blah, the we'll be better. The podcast gets this number or something yeah. that all of a sudden we'll be happy and then we hit these milestones and we're like, what next, what next, what yeah. next? Straight and I away. think it is this culture of we have this horrible, horrible obsession with success, I think. Mm. And it's a good thing. Like it spurs people on and it makes people achieve great things and it's great to have goals and things to strive for. But we kind of sanctify it to the point that, you're encouraged to succeed at the cost of everything else in your life. Yeah, and Taylor Swift has obviously been so ambitious that from age 13 she had a diary titled My Career. I know, which it's is so wild. Crazy. Then um, she also talks a lot about the good girl element. Ever since she was a child, she's always wanted to be – she's always been worried about being the good girl. And that's been a central theme in everything she's done over the course of her entire life and career. And it started when she was really, really young, worried about people-pleasing, worried about – being a good what what she defined as being a good girl so kind of staying quiet and letting people make the decisions for her and looking pretty and not having an opinion and she even says on that radio show when someone asked her political views that no one wants to hear what she thinks about anything they just want to hear her sing and everyone kind of claps and yeah it's, her. it's really interesting I thought that was a really interesting bit as well because it made so much of her persona make sense that she's always trying to kind of avoid upsetting one or pissing anyone off and it ends up just doing the opposite because then you leave no one happy. But I think it's something that everyone can relate to because there's an element I think as women where everyone's constantly worried about doing the wrong thing and we're always trying to make people happy and please people Mm -hmm. and be, whether it's the good girl in a goody-goody way or just a good girl in terms of towing the line in terms of all the things that are expected of us as women. I think everyone's just navigating that all the time yeah I feel as though it's funny because I've never specifically thought of the phrase the good girl as something that encompasses what I try to be because I've never I mean the typical when I think of good girl I think of being feminine or kind of feminine values is kind of what she was meaning in a way yeah instead of just good but and I've never, and even even little things like being a good girl at school, that wasn't something I was worried about or being someone who did the thing everyone expected you to do, I wasn't worried about. But I'm such a people pleaser and I hold myself to a really, really, really high standard that I think that's where I, that's my downfall. Even going on Monday, sorry that my therapist is now a central part of our podcast, <laughs> but even going to her on Monday, I was, we were talking about how I just 
hold myself to these impossibly high standards and then if anything goes awry I get so 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 upset Mm. and it's just so stupid well yeah this is the thing I have as well and I do think elements of it is just having an anxious personality where you're trying to control things all the time because if you control things then everything feels manageable and as soon as it's an illusion of control because no one controls anything. But yeah. if you feel like you're under control, everything feels kind of manageable for a while. But I get that too where I police my own behavior so to such an insane degree where I realized a few years ago, and it's still a bad habit I get into that I try to get myself out of, that I just constantly tell myself that everything I'm doing is wrong down to the most insane, minute detail. Mm. Like, if I put too much milk in the oats this morning, as I did, I'm like, why did you do that? You're so stupid. Why is it so hard? Why can't you just like do this? Or I do that as well all the time. If I miss a train or I, we talked about if you go on your phone and listen to music or go on Instagram instead of reading a book on the train or if you – all of these things, I've, I feel like I'm constantly policing myself and trying to improve myself and trying to find things wrong with what I'm doing. And it's very exhausting. My – Big example is last week I left the wing. My therapy session was at uh, 6 and I left the wing at 5.30 and it takes half an hour to get there with absolutely no interruptions. It was rush hour. I could have left earlier, but I just didn't. And then was rushing through the train, like getting so stressed out, feeling so on edge, feeling so anxious about being late because it's fucking expensive. And then by the time I arrived, I was just in tears, in hysterics, because I was so angry and frustrated at myself. Whenever Mm. I cry, it's because I'm so angry at myself. Mm. And it's just like, you need to relax a bit. Just Just, calm down. I remember one day, um, my friend Kate at work will laugh at this story, but I just have this thing where if my hair isn't washed, I'll just have a really bad day. It's not washed today. And I was at work and I had to go to dinner afterwards. And I was like, okay, I'm going to book in a bloody blow dry. It was so insane. But I just got in my head. Like, you do you're not stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, you're not looking after yourself. Why aren't you trying hard enough? Why didn't you just get up earlier? Why didn't you blah, blah, blah? And just got myself into a total state. And she's a beauty editor at work. And I was explaining it to her. She was like, okay, we're going to get you some dry shampoo. We're going to calm down in the cupboard. <laughs> this is insane. And I was explaining it. And I was like, I literally go into the bathroom and look at myself. And I'm like, why? Why are you like this? by not just washing your hair because it makes you feel better. And then the other side of my brain is, why are you like this for caring so much about the stupidest thing ever? And I'm just beating myself up with two separate hammers, Mm. basically. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 
Exactly. The only time I've ever taken mushrooms, which is quite goop-esque. Yes. Unfortunately, it wasn't at Brazil. in Brazil. Um, I This just happened to me, and I literally went into the bathroom at my friend's house, and my nails were red. I had a manicure. Mm. And I went into the bathroom, put my hand onto the – to get toilet paper, looked at my nails, and just thought, you are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> because I was literally – I was like, why would anyone – think that they can have red nail polish at I don't even know what like what the issue was because I think I was about 20 I was gonna say I can't see any problems yeah. here <laughs> at 23 <laughs> or who do you think you are and then I went out and sat on the couch and just bit myself up the whole night and I was like this is not for me it's actually crazy mm. how often we do this well, I do this all day every day and it's only recently that I've realized yeah that I do it and I assume that most other women do it and how bad and damaging it is because you just put yourself in a constant state of not quite there yet. But you even said that to me the other day where you literally said to me, I think you have body dysmorphia because you beat yourself up and you say things, you know, just offhandedly if I'm having a bad day, I'm just like, oh, I feel so disgusting. Oh, yuck. And then I look at Grace and I'm like, I'll never fit your pants. And then I just put them on. For literally she- four years, Izzy is always like, oh, I would borrow those, but they'll never fit me. I'll, I'll borrow those, but they'll never fit me. And every single time she does, they just slide on like a dream. There's just never been an issue. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. But I didn't even realize that that was a thing in my head until literally. And that's a, a thing you can see. You know, yeah, that's a thing yeah. that I can put the pants on and then say, oh, they fit. And I still can't get out of my own head about it. I still think that I look so different to you which is crazy because I didn't even know that I felt like that because I'm I'm I've never had a problem with food I've been very lucky in that sense I've never been obsessed about weight loss or eating or had an eating disorder but obviously there's something still weird I've been reading the beauty myth by Naomi Wolf recently and it's absolutely blown my brain into a billion pieces how amazing it is but it's it's a kind of seminal feminist book from the 90s I think and it's all about how it keeps women subjugated to be constantly feeling like they're not good enough. It, 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 it's like all the legal systems that have held women back historically in terms of being legally prevented from having jobs, having not, not having legal rights to their own bodies, not being able to earn money, not being able to hold certain positions, being discriminated against, being sexually harassed at work. All of those things have been solved legally, at least officially speaking. But the idea that you will never be good enough because all advertising and the whole way society works is constantly telling you that you're not enough and that if you just try a bit harder, you will be. That keeps women so, so, so uh, just held back from everything because we just constantly don't feel confident enough to go out and do stuff. I feel like I am just in a constant state of waiting for the yeah. perfect version of myself yeah. to appear and then I'll be happy and fulfilled and content and that will be it. And the feeling that I'm not there yet holds me back from so much. And the perfect example of this is J-Lo and Shakira's halftime show, Super yes. Bowl halftime show. J-Lo's 50, Shakira's 43. And watching the Super Bowl halftime show where they are incredible athletes, mm-hmm. that's what they would have been training for for months on end for probably a year. And for their whole careers. Yeah, and for their whole <laughs> careers since J-Lo was about fucking 10. Um women watched the Super Bowl halftime show and thought, if J-Lo looks like that at 50, how can I not look like that at 28? Um, and, mm. and oh, my God, she looks amazing. 
what does she do? What is her exercise regime? How do I look like that? Men would never... Could you imagine men watching the Super Bowl show, the Super Bowl game, game, actual game, and looking at the athletes and thinking... They are so young and athletic and buff, and I need to look like them. Absolutely not. No. Athletes. There's, yeah, exactly. There's the, the sense of detachment that women don't have, I think. So there was a great piece in the New York Times that you sent to me, which is called I Feel Personally Judged by JLo's Body by Jennifer Weiner. And it's basically about how her Facebook page got split into kind of two tribes of mums on one half there was people who found it quote unquote also my friend Jen says she's going to start a drinking game for all the times I say quote unquote (laughs) in the podcast which I didn't realize was that much but apparently it is apparently it is um quote unquote unnecessarily salacious and designed to titillate male viewers and performed for the male gaze and on the opposing side she says women who found the show inspiring a stirring political moment a demonstration of Puerto Rican pride and also of what a woman's body can do given the right combination of genetics effort discipline and money so you you did have this kind of break between the feminist lines in whether these things are empowering and inspiring or whether they end up just making you feel kind of worse about yourself. Yeah, but she said that in both camps, the women were just like, J-Lo looks incredible. Yeah, of course. But in terms of both camps were feeling shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. There wasn't anyone just being like, excuse me, she's an athlete. Well, yeah, this is – and this is – the thing that we go back to is that when we see a a woman who looks amazing, because of the way we're marketed to as women, we see it as a personal failure that we don't look like that. We Mm. think the only reason we don't look like her is because we're lazy, we don't try hard enough, we don't have the right priorities, and then we beat ourselves up for not looking like a supermodel or a globally famous pop star, whereas – Men are literally just drinking beer and eating hot dogs watching the Super Bowl. Yeah, and they're like, this is interesting because they – aren't made to feel that it's a personal failure that they don't look like. The guys. A football player. Yeah. I think the question of is this kind of quote-unquote tear-leading. <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> I, yeah, is he smashed now doing the quote-unquote drinking game? But um, that question of is this overtly sexy kind of performance – inherently feminist or not is an interesting one the answer is we don't know but you know the whole emily radikowski argument of yeah is doing topless naked selfies empowering there's or great, is it setting everyone back i don't know there's a great quote um in the same article the new york times article whether women singing and dancing in barely their costumes or otherwise celebrating their bodies is empowering or an assault on our ability to move through the world as men's equals is one of those forever fights that flare up whenever sex workers' rights or pornography are debated or Emily Ratajkowski posts a topless selfie. Yes. Which I think is, I mean, it's a hard it's a hard line to walk because you can see both sides. But what I think, what I think anyway, is that with the Super Bowl halftime show, J-Lo and Shakira would have been involved in every element of that performance. That's what they wanted to wear. JLo had five Versace outfits customised by Donatella Versace, which she then ripped Seven. off to reveal the next because she couldn't go off stage and obviously change. Amazing. She pole danced because she learnt it in Hustlers and obviously loves it, and it's such a tough thing to learn how to do. You have to be so physically strong. Shakira wore the outfits that she's worn for her entire career. It was a nod to her home country. That's empowering. There's Mm. no doubt about it. Mm. But whereas I think when it's not so empowering is, for example, Victoria's Secret, where the New York Times released an expose on the weekend about all of the controversy surrounding Victoria's Secret and basically outing everything we've known for years that the three men at the top are 
sleaze bags. <laughs> surprise, surprise. The, the story's called Angels in Hell, yeah. which is a great little title, The Culture of Misogyny Inside Victoria's Secret. So there's obviously been a few kind of exposés and pieces about the fall of Victoria's Secret over the last couple of years. But this kind of, like you say, solidifies everything, which was, it's funny with these things because as soon as they happen, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you just knew. It was always a bit unusual the way the models went about Ed Ruzek and mm. how every single person who got cast in the show had to write like a personal Instagram dedicated to him and how much they loved him. Do you yeah. remember that? Like every yeah. single person who walked in the show did a thing at Ed, at Ed, at mm-hmm. Ed. That had to have been written into their contracts. It's just too random. No one likes <laughs> yeah. any middle-aged white dude who's a CEO that much. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really interesting because it goes back to kind of what we were talking about with Taylor Swift where – you think that people like Bella Hadid and the angels in Victoria's Secret are the most powerful people in the Victoria's Secret room. It's an illusion that we're given that if anyone has power to speak out, if anyone has power to say no to something, it's the top, 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 top supermodels. And yet this kind of article shows you that they still have the lowest balance of power in a room with a bunch of CEOs for the biggest lingerie company in the world and that they still have to put up with harassment and sleazy comments and all of the horrible things that we come to think as not being reserved for mm. the Hadids and Jenners of the world. And then to link it back to the empowerment thing, if the models of Victoria's Secret chose their outfits themselves and weren't put into the outfits by a group of old white men to walk in a lingerie show in front of a group of old white men, I was there and it was old white men mm-hmm. <laughs> everywhere. It was actually like when, when they were doing their finale, which is crazy that it could was potentially the last one ever. Um, when they were doing, be. yeah, when they were doing their finale, I looked around because everyone stood up and was clapping and I looked around and it was just all these businessmen in suits just standing there clapping for 30 young women standing in front of them dancing in lingerie. It was just so strange. It is a really strange thing. And I think as soon as, the Fenty show happened, it just shook everyone into being like... What is this? The Victoria's Secret show is weird. It's a weird concept (laughs) in 2019 or 2020 to have 50, 20-year-old girls in essentially a beauty pageant, which everyone else finds completely old-fashioned, in tiny G-strings and big angels' wings in a crowd of guys. Yeah. That's unusual behavior. Like it's not, you know, it doesn't really and align. Wrapped up in a bow. It's, it, yeah. Yeah. But but everyone was. I think just everyone. Just still. Yeah. I know. Because it's just, a, it's when you think of it as a show, which everyone had for so long, or a fashion show, you're kind of like, okay. But then when you strip away everything, it's it's not really. It's just this random lingerie brand. Victoria's Secret. Well, it was it's started. So it was started by a guy who didn't want to feel like a pervert buying his wife lingerie. Basically, mm. there was that scene in the Social Network where they talked about it. Oh yeah, yeah, and he turned it into this like mega, mega, mega brand. But I think, like you say, it goes to show that women need to be actively involved in these conversations. Like, it's not sexist to sell lingerie. It's not anti-feminist to be sexy and to love your body and to be sexually empowered but it's not empowering if the people who are dictating what sexiness look like is a group of middle-aged white men with zero input from women and their report not in the New York Times but in the Sunday Times style they spoke to several 
former executives. And there were loads of people in that company who were pushing for change, who were pushing for size diversity, who were pushing to include trans models, who were pushing to have a more uh, inclusive company and inclusive show and they were all shut down or fired it's not that nobody thought of it it's yeah. that you had these very powerful people at the top who had draconian ideas of what beauty was and just wouldn't change mm. but thankfully bye it bye bye it doesn't work <laughs> anymore i know um yeah and and for anyone who hasn't read the new york times piece i guess it's as you would expect but it is still crazy to read first-hand accounts. So one young model had been cast for four years straight or something and then Ed allegedly invited her out for, invited her out for dinner and in the cab tried to kiss her and when she rebuffed his advances, she was never cast again. So mm. it's, just, it's just... And I guess it's so obvious when you when you think about it, but then now it's just... You just feel so gross knowing that that went on for yeah, so long. Yeah, unless we forget that uh, the founder of L Brands or the CEO of L Brands had very close ties to Jeffrey Epstein and that Jeffrey Epstein found a lot of his victims through pro- promising them auditions for Victoria's Secret, so it's... And even photographers, everyone would leverage off that Victoria's Secret name to mm. basically abuse models. It's horrible. So even Diet Prada last year came out in July and said that, um, alleged that models had been coming to them saying that a photographer called Timur Emek was saying that he was casting for Victoria's Secret and doing a big thing in the Bahamas with all the angels and a big photo shoot and come along and then they all went along and there was no angels there and it wasn't real and and basically we're having to shoot for him naked. Even just like on a completely different thing. Fire Festival did that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but this is the thing. So worrying. Because modelling, like we've talked about before, is I think the only industry in the world where women are grossly paid more than men. So you've got this industry where you have the illusion that women are actually making more money and are more powerful and in positions to be dictating careers on their own terms. But they are when they get to that point. But not, ev- lot, yeah. but not even, like you've got Bella Hadid being sexually harass- harassed by Ed Ruzek at the 2019, a 2018 Victoria's Secret show. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. That's She's a multi-billionaire from one of the most powerful families in LA. Yeah, and, and probably the top, in the top three supermodels working on the planet right now. It's, it's this horrible thing that we are given the illusion that when you get to that point, you have power and are empowered in situations. And unfortunately, it's still not true. Yeah. But even just think about how horrible it is for everyone trying to get to that point. So even that yeah, Diet exactly. Prada Mar- Marcus Hyde thing, how that photographer mm. who's friends with Kim Kardashian and everyone would DM girls asking for nudes, allegedly. Yeah. DM girls asking for nudes and saying, and going off the fact that he's shot with Ariana Grande and Kim Kardashian before and saying he can make them famous. It's just, ugh. Hopefully this will just eventually stop if the more exposés that come out. This is why we need representation in upper management positions. And this is why we need Diet Prada. And more female CEOs because that's actually where all the power lies. You need women in the room making these decisions like Rihanna. Yes. Who is a queen. Just to finish up with a little bit of light news. Isabel's good at rock climbing. Isabel's great at rock climbing. I had a sneaking suspicion and it was realised straight away when we went rock climbing on the weekend. It was so fun. I'm obsessed. We're going again on Saturday. We're going to become like, I don't know, Olympic rock climbers or something. (laughs) We're going to have to quit the podcast to go to... We're going to have to quit the podcast and go live in Yosemite. Yeah, and live out of a caravan and like practice every day. And while we were doing it, you Grace said that... um, 
she was like, oh, blah, blah, exercise, exercise, exercise. And I was kind of just thinking, this isn't really exercise. And my arms are still killing me. Yeah, it is. It's a good old workout. Yeah. It really gets the, the bones going. So you start on green. <laughs> so basically when I started, I didn't realize I was scared of heights and I was terrified and I just couldn't even do a green, which six-year-old <laughs> children just run up in two seconds and I was just completely humiliated. But I pushed through and it took me five sessions to do what Izzy did in her first 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm just not afraid of heights. Also, I do think reformer, I do think you're a lot fitter than I am as well. Reformer Pilates and yoga. I don't do yoga as much anymore, but I did it for years and years and years. And mm. reformer Pilates is very much kind of you learn how to balance because you're standing on this machine and you mm. kind of learn to how to balance and, tr- and trust yourself. So you like launch yourself up to do a plank on this machine which moves. So then you can't, <laughs> you know, you kind of learn those little. So when Zach. Grace's boyfriend would say, Izzy, put your hand there. I would just do it and push myself up. And then Grace would get on. It was actually so funny. <laughs> because it is hard. Like When you're watching it from the ground, it's literally two meters high. And you're like, just put your fucking arm there. It's so easy. It's so and then when easy. you're up there, your arms are jelly. In the moment, you feel like you're at the top of the bloody Empire State <laughs> Building. Like, you think you're so high up. Hanging off <laughs> in the wind. Yeah. And then... Um, it was so, good having you there, though, because you were very encouraging to me because Zach is so good mm. that it's almost he just looks at me not being able to do something and is just so confused, whereas I felt like you were more on my wavelength. Yes. You're like, that's hard. It was hard. Yeah. But it was so fun. I'm so excited to go again. I'm obsessed with the orange ones. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Is it up to orange? And she helped me do an orange, which was a very exciting personal moment. I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So we're launching our um, rock climbing podcast next week. This is now officially a rock climbing podcast. (laughs) Just like our Instagram page is now a Harry Styles fan page suddenly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Unexpected life twist. Yes. That we ended up doing that. What? That we both just like rock climbing now. I can't wait for Saturday. Really? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to wrap this up. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, and by that we mean please rate, review, and subscribe. Please, Everyone, please, please. I love your Instagram DMs so much, but I would love it so much more if there were reviews. If you copy then... and pasted them into, <laughs> the... <laughs> into the review function. We need to buy like 500 burner phones and just copy and paste all our nice messages into reviews. separate reviews. I know, because then um, basically it means that we get seen by more people and we'll have more time and energy to put into this podcast and won't have to work on any other thing ever. Exactly. And the further we get up the charts exponentially, more happy me and Izzy are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're bloody thrilled when that happens. So we get better so, episodes. Yeah. Uh, and please share the podcast as well with your friends, family, mums, dads, probably not dads, cousins, etc. I've just seen some really exciting news. What? ABBA's releasing a new album this year. Oh, God. I don't know if I care about that. I care very, very, very much. Okay. We'll discuss this later. Okay, bye, guys. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) That means they might tour. (laughs) Well, you wouldn't come to Harry Styles with me, so I'm not coming to ABBA. (laughs) (laughs) You love Dancing Queen. We can leave after that.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 